Nishma Siddha 
Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos, Purim Katan. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Sada 
just heard how terrible 27 years you and Sam were partners partners brothers and after all that time you split what happened no choice there was no way out it was kismet <laughs> tell me something would you stay partners with a man who stole from petty cash took postage stamps home from poisonal mail gambled corporation funds at the racetrack and to top it off took cash from the company safe would you want a partnership with such a man? Never. Well, neither did he. 
J.M. in the A.M. It's Purim Katan, everybody, and we're celebrating. Difficult to celebrate if you're outside because you've got to be extra careful driving and extra careful walking. This may have been the worst drive of the season. Uh, with all the snow and some mornings where we really had a lot of snow, this may have been the worst drive. Lots of slipping and sliding, a lot of ice out there, a lot of slush. The walking is difficult. All I can say is please, if you're outdoors, be extra careful. If you're not outdoors, sit back, relax, enjoy the show as you uh, head to shul, head for breakfast, or wherever you may be heading on this Friday morning. It's the 14th of February, the 14th of Adar 1, and again, we call it Purim Katan in this unique year with two months of Adar. Chaim David had Shoshanas Yaakov, the rabbi's sons with Mead Malach. Dua Rayim with Shoshanas Yaakov, and before that, earlier in the set, Misha Nichnas Adar. From the Duarim, you heard Baruch Levine's Achenu, Curry Bone done by Mayor Sherman, and Regesh, Modaani opening things up as we say good morning. Purim Katan with candle lighting at 5.10 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisisa. 5.10 candle lighting time. Apparently, there'll be more snow in this area over Shabbos. I actually saw a forecast that predicted another inch to three inches tomorrow. This is getting a little crazy if you're in the New York New Jersey area, and I know a lot of other areas of this country are also going through crazy storms, lots of snow, and plenty of ice left over after the storms have left. President's Day weekend in the United States will be here Monday starting at 6 a.m. Make sure you're here for that. Make sure you're here every single Monday through Friday right here at JM in the AM. 31 degrees, 92% humidity, winds west at 8 with gusts at 15. Partly cloudy, a high 38, and mostly cloudy tonight, a low temperature of 27. Snow for tomorrow, as I said. One to three inches, the low tomorrow night back to 15 degrees. The only good news that I saw in the weather department is that next Shabbos, a week from tomorrow, 50 degrees in this area. That would be nice to finally get to some numbers like that. We'll see what happens. JM in the AM, good morning, everybody. Reminder, our JM in the AM fundraising marathon begins a week from Monday February the 24th, where we ask everybody to be as generous as possible and keep us going at this listener-sponsored radio station. So please, if you have not yet done so, respond to our pre-marathon brochure, which hopefully you got in the mail. If you're new to this program or you didn't receive a brochure, or even if you did receive a brochure, go to the web at jmandtheam.org. The top news story is about our fundraiser. Please click on the link and give as generously as possible. The weekly update is coming up. JM in the AM will present Malcolm Honeline live from Spain today at 7.40 Eastern Time. If you pay careful attention to this show over the next hour, you'll hear Malcolm checking in from Spain on a Friday morning with the weekly update. Plenty more coming up. This is JM in the AM with Ari Goldwag. Oh, 
J.M. and the A.M. Friday morning with Shlakrak and a Shabbat in Liverpool and Eshet Chayel. Eshet Chayel done by Yehuda. Shalshelis had Lachado D. Benny Friedman from his B'nai Hechola brand new CD. Aryeh Kunzler, the brand new dad. He and his wife celebrating the birth of a brand new baby boy. That's Mizmor Shir. Ari Goldwag had Menucha V'Simcha. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. It's Friday on this Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisisa, candle lighting at 510. President's Day weekend coming up. Lots of snow in this area. Many schools closed. Hope you're safe and sound this morning because it's really hard to drive and really hard to walk outside in this area. So be extremely, extremely careful. I know a lot of cities around the United States are going through the same thing or very similar things. Be extra careful out there. It's Erev Shabbos. Thanks for joining us, everybody, in Yerushalayim. It's 66-31 here in Jersey City with rain coming down, or maybe it's actually a combination of rain and snow. Galetzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Friday follows next. We say Boker Tov from Jam and Am. Galetzal, האקזיט הענק של מייסדי וייבר, עם התגובות כתבנו עומר קדרון. וייבר היא התשובה למי שרוטט מחרמות, כך כתב שר הכלכלה נפתלי בנט בעמוד הפייסבוק שלו, בתגובה למחירת החברה בתשעה מאות מיליון דולרים לרקוטנה יפנית. בנט גם הסביר כי למרות העובדה שוייבר רשומה בקפריסין, מדינת ישראל בכל אופן תרוויח מהאקזיט, מאחר והמייסדים הישראלים של החברה יידרשו לשלם מס רווחי הון בישראל. 
שני פצועים בתאונת טרקטורון בשומרון, כתבנו עידו בן בג'י. גבר כבן 30 ובנו בן 11 נפצעו קשה ובינוני בהתהפכות טרקטורון. הם פונו במסוק לבית החולים רמב"ם בחיפה. הילד עם פציעות בגפיים ואביו עם פגיעת ראש, כשהוא מורדם ומונשם על ידי צוות מגן דוד אדום. מעילת הענק בחברת יס, הוארך בה חמישה ימים מהצהרה של העובדת החשודה בגניבה של 24 מיליון שקלים מקופת החברה. לבקשת עורך דינה נאסר על פרסום פרטיה. כך דיווחה כתבתנו, הדס שטייף. ג'ון קרי עוזב מעט את הבעיות כאן במזרח התיכון ועובר למזרח הרחוק. כתבתנו תמר ירושלמי. שר החוץ של ארה״ב קרי המבקר כעת בבייג'ינג מפציר בשלטונות סין להפעיל לחץ על קוריאה הצפונית לחזור למשא ומתן על תוכנית הגרעין שלה. קרי נפגש עם נשיא סין וביקש ממנו להשיב את פיונגיאנג לשולחן המשא ומתן. קרי גם ביקש מנשיא סין לפתור את הסכסוכים עם שכנותיה, ביניהן יפן, סביב אזורי שליטה בים סין. החורף סוף סוף מגיע, אבל רק לגיחה קצרה. גשם מקומי צפוי להתחיל אחר הצהריים, מחר סכנת שיטפונות בדרום. החזאית רינת רחמים מבית דגן עם מפת הגשמים. היום משעות הערב צפוי גשם מקומי בעיקר בצפון הארץ ולאורך מישור החוף. הלילה בצפון הארץ ייתכנו סופות רעמים בודדות. מחר גשם ירד מדי פעם בצפון וילווה בסופות רעמים. הגשם יתפשט בהדרגה לנגב, בחרמון צפוי לרדת שלג. בדרום הארץ ייתכן אובך וקיים חשש מחר משיטפונות בנחלי הדרום והמזרח, בעיקר בחלק השני של היום. ולסיום, אל חגיגות הוולנטיינס דהאים מצטרף גם האפיפיור פרנסיסקוס. בוותיקן נערכות בשעה זו כמה חתונות בהשתתפות אלפים, בהם גם האפיפיור. כך זה נשמע עכשיו בוותיקן. אלה החדשות שעורך אילי לוין, בצוות אדר קרפיול ואבי כהן. לך דודי לקראת כלה נשמה
Private Goldberg reporting, sir. Yes, Private. What is it? Well, Major, it's like this. I heard you needed a person for a mission impossible, and here I am. Well, good boy, Goldberg. This is a dangerous and top-secret assignment. Now, first, you'll take a jet. You'll fly at 30,000 feet, and then you'll parachute out over enemy territory. I'll take a jet, and I'll fly it at 30,000 feet, and I'll parachute out. Major... Don't worry about a thing. It wouldn't happen. <laughs> I'm afraid of heights. Hmm, well, I suppose we can get you there by boat. Now, when you get to the enemy campsite, you'll steal one of their camels and ride due east 41 miles to the bridge. Let us review. <laughs> when I get to the enemy campsite, I'll steal a camel and ride him due east 41 miles to the bridge... Major, don't worry about a thing. It'll never take place. I'm frightened of animals. All right, Goldberg. Uh, you'll walk to the bridge. Now, when you get there, you'll take the hundred pounds of high-explosive TNT, you'll tie it on your back, then you'll tie yourself to one of the main beams under the bridge, and when the enemy tanks are crossing, you'll blow up the bridge. Aha! Now, that's a plan. <laughs> Tied a hundred pounds of TNT on my back. Then I'll tie myself to the bridge. And when the tanks come, boom! Don't you worry, Major. And I'm not going to worry either. Because I'm not going to do it. From the boom alone, I get such a migraine. Private. Private, I, I just don't understand you. You're afraid to fly. You're frightened of animals. You're terrified of high explosives. Why did you come in here in response to my request for a volunteer? Major, 
I came to tell you that on me you shouldn't depend. J.M. <laughs> and the A.M. on this Purim cut on morning, a snowy morning for so many of us in the New Jersey, New York area, and many other places here in the USA. Thanks for listening in from around the world at jmandtheam.org, on our app, on our stream, on your computer, whatever method you on our phone line, whatever method you use to tune us in. It is much appreciated. Here we are on a Friday era of Shabbos, getting ready for Parshas Kisiso with candle lighting at 510 on this era of Shabbos. Malcolm Holmlein's in Spain. We'll check in with him a little later on during our weekly update this hour. I want to thank Jan Meyer. Uh, Jan of Atinek, New Jersey. He is responsible for the CD you just heard, the musical gems of the Copenhagen Synagogue. Volume 1 is the Shabbat with Cantor Ralph Leviton. And that Lachado D is amazing. I'm sure anybody who heard that did not tune out during that Lachado D. That is an amazing selection. And I saw Jan uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and he handed me the brand new musical gems at the Copenhagen Synagogue, Volume Two, the festivals. So there is a, a brand new CD out there, and it is uh, the one for the festivals now, one for Shabbat, and one for the festivals. The set, I guess, uh, is well. I don't know if it's complete because I think he mentioned there'll be others as well. Uh, so there you have it. I don't think any other radio station has got that, uh, or at least is playing it uh, for you here at JM in the AM. Partly cloudy with a high temperature of 38. It's uh, 16 minutes after 7 o'clock. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is going to join us. He is an amazing story uh, teller. He's an incredible author, and he's got a major event tomorrow night. We'll explain all of that coming up. Make sure to keep it right here at JM in the AM. Barbarian 
Incredible Mayadidus done by Shmakolainu. 21 minutes after 7 o'clock. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisisa, candle lighting at 510 on this Erev Shabbos. Rabbi Hanoch Teller is with us live via telephone. One of the most amazing teachers, lecturers, authors. It's now been, believe it or not, everybody, it's been 30 years that he has been on the scene with his incredible books. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons we're speaking with him this morning. The other reason is that tomorrow night starts a round of uh, showings of the uh, fully scored feature-length documentary entitled Rebel Yimelech and the Hasidic Legacy of Brotherhood. We will discuss that first with the Rechanoch Teller here at JM and the AM. Everybody, Teller, a, wel- a-, a pleasure to welcome you here on this Purim Katan. Purim Katan Sameach to you. Thank you as well to all your listeners. Thank you very much. I... Um, I don't want to get too excited. So this weather must be a little joke for Adar. <laughs> I, I would hope that's what it was. I was going to say that. I, I, deeply weird sense of humor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, wait a second here. You, you know who the weather's attributed to. We don't. We don't want to. We don't want to label anybody here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but all I can say is that it's uh, it's only Purim Katan. I don't want to. I don't want to give myself a threshold. I'm not going to be able sur- to surpass on Purim itself. So I will temper my enthusiasm yeah, and drop. Exactly. I mean, you know how much pressure. No, of course. Thank you. <laughs> all right, Rebel Melech and the Hasidic Legacy of Brotherhood. This is something that we have discussed. It features Rabbi Chanoch, Aaron Trau, Beryl Wine, David Gottlieb, Abraham Torsky, Moshe Weinberger. Music includes some of our favorites: Avramel, Avram Fried, and Rabbi Abish Brot. Tell us about this production, and then we'll run through the lineup with everybody about where they could see it. Okay, so what happened was we had this idea, there's certain pull to Reveli Melech, and here we are at the screenings. I'm not coincidentally in America now. Uh, this week is not only Purim Katan, it's also the, uh, I don't say the same breath, it's the yard site of Reveli Melech, right. at least in other Alas. And because of this, there's always great excitement. To that isolated corner in Poland, every year over 35,000 Jews go freezing weather to pour out their hearts 
and there's got to be a reason that people are going there. But the name Rebeli Melech Mnezhensky is a name that is very well known, but I think most people, and myself was included, know very little about him. As a matter of fact, most people know very little about Hasidus. So we had this idea of putting, putting together a movie about him. Also, and it goes hand in hand, I also, uh, the film is about Havas Yisrael, loving your fellow person. To be a little bit more specific, uh, I, whenever there's a screening, I usually go along and introduce it. Right. I tell the following story. That a chassid said to his rebbe, said, rebbe, I want you to daven that my wife should die. What? Yeah. I want you to daven. What? He said, listen here. I'm a very poor man. If I have to give my wife a divorce, it will cost me a fortune. But if she dies, it doesn't cost a penny. And the rebbe said, I have a better, have a better idea. Because I'll teach that if you pledge money to charity and you don't deliver, within a year your spouse will die. He said, rebbe, that's brilliant. And it was right before Rosh Hashanah. So they gave him after. He pledged 500 rubles to tzedakah. The Gavayim came on time and said, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not giving. That was Rosh Hashanah time. Half a year later, yeah, 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 yeah. It's already poor. He said, Rebbe, Rebbe, it's already poor. Half a year later, she hasn't even sneezed yet. And the Rebbe said, quite, I forgot to tell you. It only works if you don't want it to work. Now what am I supposed to do? I'll tell you what. Go out, buy her a fancy, fancy gift. Maybe this will help. And he hasn't put in her a thing since the year of Shana Rishona. He goes out and buys her a fancy, fancy, fancy gift. She's so excited. She makes him a gourmet meal, which he loves. He buys her another gift, and another meal. By Elo time, a year later, they love her. says, Oi, Rebbe, Rebbe, I don't want her to die. There's a way out. What's that? You have to get the stucco. Oh, no. Oh, yes. For a there has to be concretion. You can't just talk about it. Do it. So, so much we've spoken about how this is real. I wanted something of a little more significance. Hence, I got the idea of making this film. And it dovetails very beautifully from Rebbe Yimalach and his lesson of Adar Abba, which really confounds human nature. It's against our will. Tamely vain with the sea in our heart to get to look at other people in a, in a beneficial light and not to see the drawbacks. And that, that, should have, that segue just works perfectly. This uh, film, by the way, it gives people, in addition to what you just said, in terms of so many thousands who feel this tight relationship with Rebelli Melech and his legacy, it gives an opportunity for people to learn about the Hasidic movement in general, right? I mean, those who Absolutely. are... I mean, Rabbi Wine... I, I, it's sort of hard to say Rabbi Wine outdoes himself, Rabbi Gottlieb outdoes himself, Rabbi Twersky outdoes himself, but the presentation is so magnificent. Uh, before I scripted the film, I had read 32 books in Hebrew, and I thought I was quasi-knowledgeable, and now the knowledge is so much richer and so much easier, palatable to understand and to remember. Unbelievable. Rebeli Melech and the Hasidic Legacy of Brotherhood. It's a feature-length, fully-screened documentary written and produced by Hanoch Teller. All the distinguished rabbis we mentioned are included. The music with Avramel Fried and Reb Abish Brod. It's a multidimensional experience tracing the birth of the Hasidic movement, the light and the joy of the Baal Shem Tov, the crowning of Rebeli Melech Milizhensk, and the legacy of Avas Yisrael, love of one's fellow Jew. Tomorrow night, this will happen at the Young Israel of Bayswater on Healy Avenue in Far Rockaway. Are you going to be at all the performances? I will be at every single screening. On yeah. Sunday, this coming Sunday, at Masaurus Base Yaakov on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn, starting at 8 p.m. Monday night at Keter Torah on Romer Avenue. In, excuse me, Monday, because it's President's Day. Monday at Sorry, 10. Monday morning. Right. I should mention two things. First of all, that Monday screening at 10 o'clock in Romer is being done by Lenishma's Ted Merkani, a very fine, fine person who helped underwrite the, the cluster of this film. Wow. 
So that happens 10 o'clock in the morning in Teaneck on uh, at Congregation Ketter Torah on Romer Avenue this coming Monday, President's Day. As well, Monday night at Shomrei Torah of Ayudin Synagogue uh, in Fairlawn, New Jersey. That'll start... And community-wide events for all the shows that will be in Rabbi Yudin's show. That's right. Correct. That starts at 7.30 Monday night. Tuesday will be in San Diego, Wednesday up in Rochester, and then Saturday night. And boy, do I hope for you that the temperature gets uh, up there a little <laughs> bit. Up in Edmonton, Alberta. Next Saturday night, which I means, which I guess means you'll spend next Shabbat in Canada. There you go. Rabbi Chanoch Teller is with us live via telephone. In addition to this incredible documentary, Rebeli Melech, and we've spoken about it before. We spoke about it during its debut, and it's touched thousands of lives since it uh, was released. Uh, Rabbi Chanoch Teller has a major announcement. There's a big anniversary uh, that he is celebrating, and he has a major announcement that's exclusive for us right now at JM and the AM. You're using this radio program to alert everybody to something that they should check out on their computer. Right, you are. Okay, it's now 30 years, albeit I'm just 27 years old, but it's 30 years since the publication of my first book. And to celebrate this, we're launching today, right here on the Nachman Siegel Show, JM in the AM, a film clip, which you've seen these funny things before, but trust me, never something as funny and outrageous as this. Perfect for Adar, I mean, huh? Perfect for Adar. I came in yesterday, to, I landed in America, Baruch Hashem, I made it, and I went to this office in Muncie, and I showed it to these people sitting around the table, we started around the table. By halfway through, they were on the floor. They were rolling. They were <laughs> guffawing. Uh, I mean, it was just the woman was so embarrassed she walked out. It's a very funny production about books all around the world. And uh, the way to see this is you can, easiest way perhaps is to go to my website, www.hanochtele.com. That's spelled H-A-N-O-C-H-T-E-L-L-E-R.com. That's one way. Alternatively, there is a URL, which that should work as well. Uh, let me try and find that. <laughs> uh, here we go. If this works, I mean, it should work. It's, if you type in bit dot ly slash htbooks, that's capital htbooks, or if you wish, bit dot ly slash lowercase Hanoch Teller books, that should get you there. Probably the easiest way is to go to the website. Hanotel.com. It's just went up now, and uh, it's an experience that you'll want to send around because, well, it's funny. It's called Hanoch Teller Books Around the Globe. Check it out, HanochTeller.com. You're actually celebrating by giving a big discount to everybody at this time of year, right? That's right. This, this, because there are celebrating celebrations that if you click on and if you order a book, you'll get a 33% discount. Wow, there you go. So the month of Adar is proving to be a big discount for everybody out there uh, on this 30th anniversary. Go to HanochTeller.com, H-A-N-O-C-H, Teller.com. You can check out the brand-new video, Hanoch Teller Books Around the Globe, which we've announced here before it's been announced anywhere else. And you can check out how funny it is for this month of Adar. And you can also check out the books. And when you do check out, you'll be able to save uh, 33%. On Hanoch Teller's books, is your uh, is your um, uh, teaching schedule in Israel going well this season, Rabbi Teller? It is uh, this week. They're not some, you know, over in Israel. It's where we need the rain, we need the snow, we need the precipitation. We don't have it, but uh, so I don't get any winter days off for what I'm missing. But the teaching is going fine. Great students, and I'm happy to be part of that. Baruch Hashem, and uh, I'm sure many of your former students are in this audience tuned in right now and thrilled. Uh, to hear your voice. I hope your family... I hope they'll come to the screenings, be it in Teaneck or in Fairlawn or Brooklyn, Far Rockaway. 
or if they're out there in Edmonton or San Diego, I'd love to see them. Hundred percent, and we'll remind everybody about it as we get closer and closer. Obviously, tomorrow night is at the Young Israel of Bayswater in Far Rockaway, starting at eight thirty p.m. and Sunday in Brooklyn at Masora Space Yaakov on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. I assume all the information is there at HanochTeller.com. Thank you so much for joining us. W- welcome to the snowy United States. By the way, you know, I, I I heard in your voice you said you were glad you made it here yesterday, but you know that if the snow would have delayed you a bit, there probably would have been a much better story in it. You know that. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> you know, I was so glad the plane came in yesterday morning, and I thought, wow, we made it. Then I had to drive to Muncie, and I thought the plane ride, that was, that was a cinch. <laughs> that was nothing compared to getting up to Rockland <laughs> County, huh? Simple oh, as that. Rabbi Teller, good luck, and Mazel Tov on all these amazing occasions for you. Thank you very, very much. I pur- thank you. Have a wonderful Shabbos. A Purim Katan morning with a Chanoch Teller at JM and the AM. Check out the website for the video. Chanoch Teller books around the globe for all the big discounts on the books and his 30th anniversary celebration, plus the Rebbe Limelech showings, which we'll remind you about uh, through next week. Start tomorrow night at Young Israel of Bayswater, and then Sunday night at Masura Space Yaakov on Ocean Avenue in Brooklyn. Monday, the legal holiday, he'll be at Congregation Keter Torah in the morning, and then Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn on Monday night. This is JM in the AM.
such limited time If God's name is hidden Then it's for us to find Candlelighting at 510, Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisisa with candlelighting at 510, President's Day weekend. whole bunch of stuff going on, I'm sure. Uh, by the way, I checked with my uh, connection to the Yeshiva University Sfarim sale. They did cancel last night. They did not open the Sfarim sale last night. It will be open tomorrow night. It will be open tomorrow night up at Yeshiva University. So if you haven't had a chance yet to see North America's largest Jewish book sale, your opportunity is uh, tomorrow evening and, of course, They're open uh, on and off until the 20th, with a schedule, on and off until the 23rd of uh, of February, and we are highly recommending it. Speaking of things, we are highly recommending legal holiday shiurim are going on this Monday. Uh, our friends at the Yarche Kala in uh, Brooklyn are presenting um, are presenting uh, four presentations at the Agudas Yisrael of Madison, 2122 Avenue S, this coming Monday morning. Starting at 8 a.m. with Shacharis, then Rabbi Yisrael Reisman on the topic of worried about Eretz Yisrael. 10 a.m., important halachas relating to Genevas Das, Lifne Iver, and Ashavas Aveda with Rabbi Ari Marburger. Uh, 11 a.m., Mishanichnas Adar, from Adar to Purim, the track to success. That's Rabbi Ozer Alport. And then 12 noon, Scientific Discoveries in Chazal, a moving audiovisual PowerPoint presentation with Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi. It's all happening this Monday in Brooklyn. I go to Sistral of Madison. It's 2122 Avenue S in Brooklyn, New York. The Bialystoker Synagogue on the Lower East Side of Manhattan presents their legal holiday shear at 9.30 in the morning this coming Monday. Um, Rabbi Shlomo Weissman, Menahel of the Besden of America, 
uh, the most active rabbinical court in the U.S., is going to speak on prohibited interest and the heter, prohibited interest and the heter iska, Jewish and secular law considerations. Uh, everyone's invited, men and women. There'll be a light breakfast served at the Bialystoker Synagogue this coming Monday, part of their holiday, uh, legal holiday, uh, sheer series. And, uh, a reminder that our friends at Jay Resnick Studios Custom Framing in Brooklyn is inviting everyone to, uh, submit paintings, drawings, or mixed media at the company's uh, Flatbush location, uh, in the Brooklyn, New York. And uh, this coming Monday, uh, they will announce their art competition in uh, in honor of uh, President's Day. This coming Monday, they'll wrap up their art competition in honor of President's Day. For information, you can go to their uh, studios at East 17th Street in Brooklyn or call 718-934-8800, 718-934-8800. It's JM in the AM. Malcolm Holmline is in Spain. We check in with him coming up next. If you keep it here on this Purim Cut on Morning at JM in the AM.
It is Purim Katan, everybody. If not for the two others, today would be Purim. How do you like that? <laughs> That's certainly one way of looking at it. Uh, Ishihudi done by Shwebel Sharf and Levine. Words from the uh, Megillat Esther. Before that, Ishihudi with Diaspora. Malcolm Holmline is in Spain. I'm not joking. We check in with him in just a second here on a Friday morning at JM in the AM. It is the 14th of February, and again, the 14th of Adar 1, which is Purim Katan on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisisa, candle lighting at 510. I remind everybody that a week from Monday is the JM and the AM fundraising marathon. A week from Monday on the 24th of February it begins. It is never too early to support this show. I checked it out, by the way. I've asked every authority out there, never too early to support the show, which means you can go right now to your mailbox, pull out the pre-marathon brochure that I hope you got, send it back to us with a generous donation, and or you can go to the web at jmtheam.org. The top news story is about our fundraiser, which begins on the 24th of February, and you can utilize the opportunity to uh, to give as generously as possible and join us in making this the most successful fundraising effort ever. So keep JMAM going. Make sure WFMU stays alive. I know that we've we've had a couple of uh, small little outages this morning regarding the transmitter. I'm sure the weather has something to do with it, but uh, we got to keep on going and uh, continue to broadcast for you every Monday through Friday morning. <clears throat> so make sure to support us as generously as possible, and your help with that is, of course, greatly appreciated. I want to thank our friends at JewishWorldReview.com who continue to in- inspire and to inform their readers and to remind them to tune in to us uh, on our live stream at jmandam.org, and I wish them a very, very good Shabbos. Malcolm Holmline, as I said, is in Spain, no joke. The Conference of Presidents met with King Juan Carlos I of Spain, among many things that they've done while in Spain during the last couple of days, and Malcolm will explain that and many, many more things, I'm sure, from Europe Coming up, Malcolm Honline is the Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations and joins us for the weekly update here on a Friday morning. Mr. Honline, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. It's always good to be with you and wherever it is, Buenos Dias and uh, all the other uh, greetings I could give you from this uh, wonderful place where we are called Toledo, which has an amazing Jewish history, both good and bad. And it's, uh, it's to experience what happened 500 years ago. Uh, it never felt more than in Toledo with its glorious Jewish history and um, so many famous people and their statues all over in the names of uh, famous Jews who lived here. One of the benefits of, uh, of your extensive travel schedules, we get to ask you questions about different places that you visit, especially as they relate to Israel and the Jewish world. Uh, first of all, the um, the and we know that the EU we we look at it at, we look at it collectively, and we talk about the EU, its relationship with Israel, its demands of Israel, etc. Where is Spain on that scale? How much pressure do they think the leaders of Spain should be put on Israel? What is their role when it comes to EU leadership and the relationship with the Middle East? Well, it's in, as in most countries, it's shifting. The, the, it depends on the government and its attitudes. This government has to, happens to be more sympathetic. We spent an hour and a half yesterday with the president of the government, who is the equivalent of the prime minister, right after we met with the king. And in both instances, we spoke to them about their role in the EU, as we did with other officials with whom we've been meeting, Minister of Justice, Secretary of State for Foreign Affairs, etc. 
And I must say that I think that they are very receptive. They get it. They see Israel as an important ally. The Minister of Interior was there last week. There's talk of high-level exchanges and meetings. In fact, Netanyahu uh, was scheduled to come uh, during this period, maybe in the spring. Uh, and the emphasis that we've been placing on a Mediterranean uh, alliance, meaning having Spain and Israel as anchors with countries like Greece and Morocco and Italy and others, to move it out of the Middle East, which is so volatile, into the Mediterranean, which has problems, but is a much more stable region. And they are very open to it. They, they, talk, they do about a billion dollars in trade. They absolutely reject the boycott and said that they would they were upset with Ashton's remarks and other comments and the direction of the EU and, and said that they would not support it. But frankly, um, as with most other countries, they follow the lead of France, Germany, and Britain right. when it comes to EU voting. And the EU tends to vote as a bloc even in the UN, although not in every instance. There, there are some in the – you mentioned the speech. There are some in the – and you mentioned the visit, rather. There are some in the Knesset who walked out during Martin Schultz's speech this week. Well, that's a very important thing. I, I just want to say one other thing sure. about Spain that's very important. First of all, there are about 5,000 Jews. Some say 10,000. but And you know that they that most came in the, in the last decades. And uh, there is life being revived. We went to visit a Jewish day school with uh, 250 Jewish children. I mean, it's quite remarkable, speaking Hebrew, Spanish, many of them English, getting a great education. And if I would say the tuition, I think everybody in your audience would be making aliyah to, to uh, Spain <laughs> in order to educate their children at a fraction of the cost. And the, uh, that, that the Spanish government, just in the last days, uh, announced the legislation, which they've been working on for some time, which will grant citizenship, Spanish citizenship, to Jews of Sephardic origin who can prove that they had Sephardic ancestry. There is a great emphasis here about Sephardic culture, the Sephardic influence in art, science, uh, philosophy, and it's it's very serious. And many people now are identifying, um, you know, roots in the Jewish community that they had Jewish ancestry. We used to call them Moranos. It's not a appropriate term anymore. They call them conversos and Chuetos, uh, who, who represent in Portugal and here whole communities that are looking back at their history and reviving Jewish connections. So the government has undertaken and is now developing, and they're going to have to have final passage, when, and then I can't imagine how they'll implement it and determine who is a Jew. And in Israel, they can't determine it, right. and we have problems everywhere. But it's a very significant gesture because, to me, it, it shows that they're confronting the past. That too often, you know, they talked about the, the tragic mistake. It wasn't a mistake. It was a deliberate policy of expulsion, forced conversion, and execution. And that uh, many Jews paid with their lives. When Columbus left the port, they say it was he had a delay for a day because it was so chock full of ships taking Jews away. And that these Jews then spread around the world. And many of them maintain a very close tie to their Spartac origins. In fact, many still have keys from their homes that they left in different uh, cities like, like Toledo, which was called the Jerusalem of, of Spain. And when you drive up, you see the image. It, it looks like it. And we visited some of the former shuls of this uh, synagogues in, in this area. So the government, I think, is taking an important step, and the king specifically referenced it, 
and then in, in discussion uh, elaborated more. He said, look, you know, we have common roots, and if we can build on them for a better future so that they, they are talking out more openly and honestly about what happened, they, they say it was a tragic mis- uh, error for them. It was uh, inexcusable. They don't try to cover it up in, anymore as they have in the past. And so it's a very significant gesture, I think. I don't think the practical implications will be known for a long time, if any. It's their way of saying you are welcome here, as opposed to what some of our predecessors said or implemented. You are, in fact, welcome here. It's a, it's a different Spain, let's put it that it's way. Actually, it's exactly the summary of what the Minister of Justice said to us uh, when we talked about it, many things. But he said that when he was young, if they called you a Jew, it was an insult. Right. He said, today, it's the reverse. And and you see it manifest in many ways. And the, and the lineup, if I had time to go through all the people from the mayor of Toledo and the, and of Madrid to the to the ministers, to the officials, to the, the kind of way that they have uh, treated us here in these couple of days, it's really quite remarkable. And you'll hear from, I'm sure, from many of the participants uh, uh, later on. The, what happened with Schultz... Yeah, but, but I, before Schultz, I just want yeah. to say that it's it's interesting. I would think, I would have thought, that the Jewish population was even larger in Spain. I mean, not to put a damper on what you're saying, it's great to hear that there's such a, a presence there and that the, the, the day school and everything else is uh, you know so influential in helping the Jewish community grow. But I would have thought it's even larger. And one other thing before we talk about Schultz, uh, and, and obviously this doesn't apply directly to Spain, but the moment we heard you were in Europe, I felt I'd add this uh, to our topics. You know, We know now, in addition to Poland and Holland and Switzerland, now Denmark is set for a shechita ban, a ritual slaughter ban. And I learned this morning that there's no such thing as ritual slaughter in Denmark to begin with. They import all their kosher meat, so it's more of a symbolic thing. But does this, I don't know, does this give us uh, you know, something else to worry about in terms of symbolism, even if it's not a practical ban, that, that you know, symbolically other European countries are joining in with the previous ones for a ritual slaughter ban? It's of uh, great concern. It, and as you said, it's being manifest in other countries. And this is traditionally, historically, the way to strike at Jews is to attack Brit Milah, circumcision, and Shechita, uh, ritual slaughter. And they do it under the guise of humane slaughter or right. concern for the animals. You know, the Nazis were concerned about animals, but as they were massacring human beings. Right. And the, you know, this is a, a, not un, uh, unprecedented and not uncommon, and it is a, a vicious anti-Semitic campaign. We know that humane slaughter laws have been uh, humane slaughter practices um, in terms of conscious are, are proven scientifically in other ways and have been repeatedly so. So this is, it is of concern, and especially a country like Denmark, which, you know, always praised itself for the saving of Jews. And as one official in Denmark told me a number of years ago, it's time for the Jews to stop saying thank you to Denmark. Oh, boy. Because the Jew, Denmark has to thank the Jews, because we saved a few thousand Jews. We did not go into the docket in the Nuremberg trials, because we collaborated with the Nazis. We provided them with the weapons. We provided them with ammunition and metal, food for the troops. And they did turn over thousands of Jews who were not Danish citizens. They saved those who were Danish citizens, and I, we credit them for that. But, uh, you know, the stories like the king going out with a yellow star on was not true. It never happened. It was a mythology that was created. And uh, so Denmark and, and the other Scandinavian countries where we see anti-Semitism so rampant, Sweden, who hold themselves up as a paragon of human rights and, and uh, justice, are, are of the lowest stature possible. 
and the spreading messages, the fact that you have these extremist parties, and we discussed this extensively right. here, as I did two weeks ago with the leaders of Greece, right. which is confronting Golden Dawn in effective ways. Unfortunately, in other countries, they're not. But when you have 17,000 people march in France saying Jews don't belong here, the message of Spain saying Jews do belong here, I think, is, again, more important. Oh, no question about it. Five minutes before the hour, Malcolm Honline is live in Spain. That's the reason we're focusing on Europe at the beginning of this weekly update here at JM and the AM. And now, uh, regarding the Martin Schultz speech uh, in the Knesset. Right. So for those who don't know uh, the illustrious Mr. Schultz, uh, he, he was he's the president of the European Parliament. Uh, which sounds very impressive, and it's not insignificant, but it's not as significant as the title might uh, apply uh, imply. He came before the Knesset and, in a speech, got up and said that the that Israelis were getting four times more water than Palestinians. Now, the truth is that this is one of the old canards used against Israel, which, under previous agreements, uh, is due to to provide. Uh, 28.6 million cubic meters of water a year, I think, um, which is a lot of water. But in fact, it's providing 60 million cubic meters. It's more than 50% more than what they're required to do. In addition, the Israel Water Authority shows how the Palestinians have dug more than 250 pirate wells, pirate wells in the West Bank, and more than 3,000 in Gaza, which uh, damages the underground water table. And about a third of their water is lost by stealing and by leaking pipes uh, in the West Bank. So this is a myth that, that Israel is somehow denying them. The fact is that Israelis get about 1.2 times as much water, fresh water available to them, which is very little uh, difference, in fact. But Schutz was told this when he visited the West Bank and the Palestinians uh. in Ramallah. And he just came and repeated it and acknowledged that he had not researched it, he had not done anything to uh, to check out the veracity of these assertions. And that didn't stop him. So, as you know, some uh, Bennett and some of the members of his party and others walked out, others were critical, including the Prime Minister. But it is part of the knee-jerk reaction to, right. to accepting any charge against Israel, uh, readiness to repeat it, and to, to turn it into a fact by the repetition. So even the prime minister was not happy with it. Oh no, he was very upset by it. Look, I don't know whether walking out was smart, and 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 I think it would be better to take the opportunity to to tell him the facts. Um, but but uh, it, it it represents to me the uh, you know the readiness today in this era of delegitimization. Right. To accept any charge against Israel. Uh, here's what he said. Yeah, the prime minister said he accused Schultz of selective listening and then said that Israelis consume 70 liters of water a day compared with 17 liters of Palestinians, right? Wow. Uh, that was selective listening on the part yeah. of the EU president. It's, it's a but, nice phrase, but... Uh, <laughs> right, it's a nice way of... down to the same thing, I Right, think. nice way of putting it. All right, um, you know, last week, I, I think I opened up last week with the BDS panic, and I asked you whether this is, you know... Uh, worse than ever, that the whole trend of the delegitimization and through boycott, etc. By the way, uh, sorry for the tangent here, but uh, you see what the Rolling Stones are going through ever since they announced that they're heading to Israel. I mean, I, we've seen a lot of efforts to stop rock groups, but this one, this one seems to be over the top. They're really under a lot of pressure with this one. Unless well, it's just ho- a... hopefully they like uh, Scarlett Johansson right. and others will will uh, not succumb to this intimidation and not and, and not violate uh, 
basic values, and uh, I hope that they will will, will uh, be able to stand up to it. Because the fact is that if you look at much of the BDS movement, the economic impact on Israel is not that great, right. even even in terms of SodaStream, but because they've been so focused on. Um, and people don't know that they have factories around the country, around the world, around Israel, but around the world as well. Yeah, the symbolism and, is the key, right? And the, and the funny thing is that if you boycott SodaStream in Maladumim, you put 350 or, or 380 Israelis out of work. You put uh, almost 400 is, uh, Israeli Arabs out of work right. and almost 350 Palestinian Arabs out of work. Right. So who are you punishing in, in with these ridiculous... Uh, Attacks and, and uh, campaigns. So and and yet, you know, at the same time, we see the Palestinians say we're going to we we don't accept any of the red lines. They draw the red line on a total withdrawal to sixty seven. All the conditions for the peace process that they, you know, that they have set just in this last week, including, you know, that the the Kotel has to go back to the Palestinians, that the uh, right of return. And, and the would be based on Resolution 194, meaning that they should come to Israel, the the release of all prisoners, uh, unconditional 67 borders. I mean, everything that would undermine uh, the the talks. And yet, there's very little criticism, very little said right. about uh, about what this this all means. And look, and the people like Arakat negotiators who are saying it. Well, you know, Malcolm, you can't compromise with everybody. You know that. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Don't worry, folks. I will get uh, to the question that I started a couple of minutes ago. We got sidetracked on BDS. Uh, don't forget our JMNAM fundraising marathon begins on the 24th of February, a week from Monday. If you have received our pre-marathon brochure in the mail, please respond generously. If you have not, or even if you have, you can go to the web right now at jmnam.org. The top news story is about our fundraiser. And I checked it out with all authorities. You can support us earlier than February the 24th. So get to the link right now. At the top of jamnam.org, at the top of the news section, I should say, of jamnam.org. And please give generously to keep us going as we celebrate our 30-plus anniversary. So the, the question, uh, as I was saying, like last week was BDS. So this week seems anti-Semitism is a big topic in the news. I, I think the only uh, the only retirement that eclipsed the Abraham Foxman announcement was Derek Jeter. Outside of, outside of that, many people in our community were focused on the fact that Abe Foxman will be leaving the ADL in 2015, we know the work that he's been doing uh, when it comes to anti-Semitism and alerting people to what's been going on around the world. But then we see this initiative as well. And by the way, he did make a statement this week. I, I, I don't remember what time frame he was using, but he said now in the U.S. it's worse. Than, I don't know if it was the U.S. or the world. I apologize. I don't have it in front of me. But he did use the expression worse than ever in terms of anti-Semitism. On top of that, we saw Bennett this week and the World Jury Joint Initiative. Apparently, the government of the state of Israel, and we have discussed this before, is very concerned about what's going on in the diaspora and uh, and needs to start in it, and to start and continue initiatives that uh, talk about and uh, promote Jewish pride, Jewish heritage, and uh, connection with Israel. And this will hopefully help stem the tide of anti-Semitism as well. So now I ask you, Malcolm, are we in a new era of anti-Semitic uh, activities, anti-Semitic atmosphere that we should be uh, careful about? No, I think it's a continuum that goes back to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, our forefathers, who were the prototypes for what we've experienced throughout the generations. Uh, I don't think he said this is the worst of times, certainly you can't compare it to the 1930s. 
and whatever similarities may exist, the, the key is what lessons we learn from that period and that we derive from history, uh, because each situation is different, and we have a Jewish state with a Jewish army that's able to do remarkable and amazing things to save endangered Jewish communities that we did not have. And frankly, the, for the first time, probably in 2,000 years, there's no Jewish community not free to leave the country in which it lives today. And uh, there may be individuals, but no community that is not free to leave where they live. These are, are remarkable things, and, and that Jewish communities can be saved and brought home to Israel, and many have to go elsewhere, uh, regrettably. But the the situation, I think, in, in many respects, it, it is not so dire as this is a dangerous thing, because what we've learned also from history is that this is a cancer that keeps reemerging, and if you don't attack it aggressively, it keeps growing until you can't do anything about it. Right. And I think that that's where we are with this BDS campaign, because people tend to, to dismiss it. And as I said in a number of interviews this week, this is the 21st century's anti-Semitism, which targets the collective Jew, because it's more politically correct than saying, I hate Jews, you can say, I hate Israel. And that none of us should be fooled about what this really means, who the target is, what the nature of this campaign societies aren't judged because they have haters they're judged by how they deal with them how do the, the, the law enforcement how do the legal authorities the governments deal with it do they confront it do they try to outlaw it do they do they deny them the support and succor that they need in order to expand and we're going to see much more of this economic conditions the uh, exacerbated political conditions and the weakness of the systems it's going to be reflected in particular in Europe when they have the parliamentary elections, when these right-wing, extreme right-wing parties like Jobbik in Hungary and Golden Dawn in Greece and Le Pen in, in France and others could make a very strong showing. And and it, it, it's anti-Semitism is only one aspect of yeah. what a lot of this is anti-immigrant uh, because of the Muslim population influx and growth in, in their countries. There are a lot of factors that uh, that come into it. You know, I can't find the exact quote I was referring to, and, and I'm sure I was not accurate in the way I I presented it. But it's interesting because I, I I see an article that he has online, and when you put and you just mentioned so much of it, the different political parties in different countries and so many different things that are going on. I think we have to we have to um, realize the fast moving media of the day and just how quickly the world is going in general. That might be what's worse than ever, meaning all these things that, that come together, it seems like uh, you know we're getting to a point where it's almost impossible to deflect everything quickly enough because there's just so much at, at one time in front of so many people. Absolutely right, and it's this, the, the, rapidity, the uh, rapidity with which stories are circulated, and once they're out, no matter what, it, there's no way to re repudiate it, there's no way to correct it, even if it has no truth whatsoever. Especially young people today, they want everything in 140 characters. They have no time for history, they have no patience for facts, they don't want to delve into it. If Google doesn't tell them right away what it is, it, we, we are approaching the most complex of issues today. And because of globalization, they are com the complexity is compounded. When you look at all the issues we face, whether it's Syria, whether it's uh, Iraq's collapse and Jordan in, in trouble, this, uh, the Egyptian situation, the, certainly the Palestinians, Gaza in economic collapse and, and running out of water and all sorts of things. The Saudis talking about getting Pakistani weapons. Just in this one week, you talk about uh, Turkey's uh, internal issues and, and external uh, manifestations towards Israel. It is a very difficult time. And, and the way you deal with this 
is not to look just at the headline or look at it superficially, because that is going to lead to, to failed policies by those in power or a failure on the part of the public to try and help create policy that, that works. By the way, did you see how a week later, because we spoke about this last week, how a week later Turkey is, <laughs> Turkey is even more, I don't want to say desperate because I, I can't get into their head, but, but Turkey is even more uh, inclined to uh, forge a peaceful relationship with Israel? But at the same time, he announced after the first stories came out, Erdogan said, well, uh, only if they lift the siege in Gaza, which is, <laughs> is not going to happen. Uh, the trade between Turkey and, and Israel has gone along. Uh, but Turkey faces a lot of internal problems, Erdogan, and he is a... Well, when is the, when's uh, the official... Is there an election there coming up? There is, right? Yes, there is, and, and he is concerned about what happens, and therefore he has sort of focused on Israel in of late but and is that soon like is that no p- indication he, what he's driving him on israel is the hope that he would get a pipeline from the new gas that israel discovered that would go to turkey ah and israel's not ready to make that deal well they're not going to certainly be making the deal with him now right. under these circumstances and he he you know he keeps reverting back and whether it's to assuage the domestic public opinion that thinks he's going to make peace with israel or go back to the status quo with israel uh, uh, I, I can't say, but because I'm not, I, I don't know what Erdogan thinks. If he, if he does, in fact, uh, what we know is that he's been erratic in his policy and and is almost unpredictable. But that he has cracked down at home, taken away human rights. Look at all the journalists he arrests. Other countries are criticized. Turkey gets away with it. They put the, much of the military in prison, etc. So it's a uh, turkey situation is is i think uh, as a rule unpredictable Mar- if i'm if i'm reading this correctly march 30th is the election yes i think um and why is the saudi prince in so much trouble for contacting israelis i mean <laughs> we we continue to give the impression here that saudi arabia is depending on israel to stay strong in the middle east and and and, and that likely the alliance with israel should become stronger and stronger is it that bad if in fact secretly he contacted israeli officials well, I, I wouldn't say that that is uh, that the stories are necessarily true, uh, and I told you uh, that I think some of the reports of the nature of the contact and communication was exaggerated. Uh, I do think there has been. Uh, I really don't want to go into it, but uh, you know, people get in trouble for other things too, and part of it was alienating uh, Putin. Uh, some things that happened with the Russians and other things, so people may ascribe it to something, but it's speculative. Uh, as to what's really happening there, and nobody really knows. It's still a pretty close society, and you, you know, there's always jockeying between the princes for succession because of the, the age of the rulers. Um, so it's not you can't believe for the reports that come out. Forget the um, you know all, all the scandalous stuff that so many of our media outlets here like to focus on. In terms of substance, you just mentioned earlier in this conversation, France has a leading role in the EU. Obviously, we're concerned about Israel. Uh, anything special to come out of the French United States meetings this week in the White House? I think it was a rapprochement to use. French term, uh, but <laughs> in Spain, we're so multinational. Yeah, very classy, uh, but uh, you know, it, it helped smooth over some of the extreme tensions that followed the Snowden releases and the revelation of, of the spying on France. But you have no uh, reason to believe that Israel was a major topic. I do believe that Iran was a major topic. Ah. The statement that came out by the president that'll come down like a ton of bricks on anybody. But at the same time. We're not seeing, we've seen some increased sanctions uh, from the United States, but we see Europeans going by the plane loads. We see the economy of Iraq 
Iran turning around, the real going up, the the production of oil crossing some really critical red lines at a time when they're earning nothing. I mean, they're saying they're not going to not going to allow the inspection of the Parchin facility, which is where we believe their weaponization is taking place. They say at the celebrations of the 35th anniversary of the Iranian Revolution, death to America, death to everybody, you know, Israel. Uh, Israel's a cancer, and the Americans walk out of a conference where they say it. But they're they talking about, and they marched with signs that said death to Wendy Sherman, who's the Iran per point person in the, in the State Department, and death to Obama and even Kerry. They, they're sending ships to American waters. They launched two ballistic missiles, one with a very long range and able to carry uh, warheads uh, that they, I mean, they at least claim. And But they've demonstrated that they're increasing these capacities. They are in the third round of the centrifuges, which will be 20 times faster wow. than the current. They're, they say they're not going to diminish their stockpiles. They're not going to dismantle one aspect of it under no circumstances, never. And I think that... that uh, you know, they, they can always claim that's because the uh, IRGC, the Iran Revolutionary Guard, that the, the extremists and they have to placate them and all that, that, that becomes too, too convenient an excuse. What we've seen is that the aggressiveness, uh, more executions, 300 executions since Rouhani took office just in that period, which is much more than under uh, Ahmadinejad in a similar period. So, you know, the, and they bo- they're still continuing to play a destabilizing role all over the Gulf, in Syria, in Lebanon, and we're seeing the Syrian war spill over more and more into the Beirut suburbs, and can expect that to heat up some more um, in in the coming days. So, you know, there is no reason to believe that Iran has changed in any regard. If anything, the need to show them a really tough stand is greater than it ever was. And yet, we don't see it. And then you mentioned the legislation and the other things that have been talked about when Iran shows a TV simulation of bombing Haifa and Tel Aviv and American ships and <clears throat> killing American uh, sailors in a simulation. Uh, and the, the statements that they're making, uh, it, that they will never reduce their, quote, defensive capabilities, which means their offensive capabilities in, in, uh, in the nuclear realm, then I, I think that that we can't look to see uh, uh, right now any kind of change that is going to make the talks more productive. And they're talking not a year, a six-month framework, but the administration and others are talking about a year framework. I'm so glad you said it like that because you've told us this so many times, and unfortunately only a small percentage of people like to listen to it. When they tell you something, believe them. As simple as that. Believe what they're telling you because uh, because they mean it. They mean it, and everything they're saying, as you just described, everything they're saying, they want to see come to reality. And uh, maybe one day uh, some of the uh, leaders around the world will start to believe it, like a small percentage of this audience I think already does, maybe maybe bigger than small. What happened with the PA? What happened with this uh, this hospital episode that, they would only, that Israel would not treat people who came in with credentials on State of Palestine stationery or letterhead, but instead it had to say Palestinian Authority? What, what are they trying to do there uh, to, to incorporate a brand-new state that doesn't exist yet? Exactly, and they do all these unilateral measures, which they know provoke the Israelis, and they know, in fact, undermine the prospect of any kind of negotiations, and it shows that they don't want to negotiate, they want to dictate the terms and the other things I cited for you would, would underscore that uh, as well. That the the um, when they come and they and the, and an Israeli institution recognizes it, 
if they accept it, then it's recognition then right. of the legitimacy of the document. It is not legitimate. They have, they're not a state. They're not, they have to negotiate with Israel for, to establish whatever uh, the outcome of the negotiations will yield them. But it's an affront on one hand, and it's, it's meant to be, uh, to be uh, inciting, insightful to Israel as all their incitement that continues unabated in all their media, honoring and continuing to pay tribute to terrorists and murderers, uh, that Israel's right not to accept it. Unbelievable. Um, the, uh, the, uh, where was I going? <laughs> Give me a second. I lost my train of thought here for a moment. Um, yeah, I don't remember in the, in the, you know, the people who like, especially over the weekend when there's more free time to talk about the situation in the Middle East. I don't remember the negotiator being as hot a topic as Kerry is. In other words, I remember, you know, there's always been shuttle diplomacy, and there's always been concern about who's doing it and the type of negotiations that are going on between Israel and the PA. But it seems like Kerry is always in the headlines now. And I just don't know where this is going. And those who follow the news would, you know, would love to, are analyzing every single week where this is going. Is there any, I've asked you this before in the last few weeks, is there any real progress between Israeli administration and the PA when it comes to the Kerry peace talks? Look, I think the, the, the question you're asking about it being personalized um, is, is a very interesting one. There's an article by his brother, Cam Kerry, who is Jewish, who's converted to Judaism, and refers to their grandfather, whose name was Cohn, and the reason for his conversion, which is, was very interesting, I thought. Uh, I think it's a mistake to personalize it. I think that some of the comments that have been made were really unfortunate, uh, they go to an extreme. Uh, I think that Kerry has gone out of his way to work with the prime minister. Prime minister has said it. He talks to him regularly. It doesn't mean he likes what all the things they're doing. And you, you, we know that you can't impose a piece. It can't force it. You can't have the, you know, uh, the pressure always being one-sided as the impression that is created yeah. uh, by the statements, by the some of the actions. Is that it's always Israel that gets pressure. Palestinians don't comply. Don't do anything. I cited earlier some of the demands they're making, the statements they issue, and yet nobody holds them to account. You don't hear Europeans yelling at them. You don't hear threats of boycotts against them for the failure of the talks, uh, but only against, uh, against Israel. And because the Secretary of State has made it a personal campaign by visiting there 13 times, by being pressuring all the time on this, I do think that that uh, is a significant factor. Right. In in uh, in making it uh, the Kerry mission, uh, not even the Obama mission, but the Kerry mission. Uh, if if it goes somewhere, I think it'll become the Obama mission too. I mean, do you know that he could turn to the Prime Minister of Israel one day and say, "I am so all into this process that I need you to compromise on something, so I could say, so we could at least bring some type of result to all of this." That that could happen. Something not- can happen, but they know that you're not going to force it, Congress. I think we'll stand up, and I don't think that that's the intent right now. Uh, I think that, that he has taken a different approach than the president took in his first term in the first round of, of Middle East talks. Uh, so uh, I, I don't think that is the case. All right, Malcolm Honline is in Spain. Uh, Malcolm, in conclusion, Zarzuela Palace, one of those amazing ones or uh, middle of the road when it comes to ostentation? <laughs> it, it is not ostentatious, uh, and the king didn't have a big throne, a small throne, a throne Allah, and but he, he devoted a lot of time. He was very friendly, and in fact, remember that I met him in 1992 when he made the historic speech at the synagogue wow. here in in uh, Toledo. Uh, 
but there is a lot of pomp and circumstance and rules, but he turned out to be very informal, good sense of humor, spent a lot of time talking and raised, went beyond what uh, the protocol had dictated would be the order. And uh, In the photo in front of me, there's no crown on his head as you shake his hand. Right. I told him the meeting was the crowning moment of our trip. There you go. <laughs> which he liked, and I gave him a Koshal telling, reminding him of the common heritage, but what Koshal represents and when we use it. So I think that, uh, you know, the building ties, trying to move these countries, getting them to understand the nature of the concerns, it's an educational opportunity for us, for them, and for us, but for us to explain to them the issues in, in informal ways and that citizens are not with the overlay of governments, and I have to say that I think all of us go away from this thinking this is extremely worthwhile. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, I, what would they? And the s- weather is beautiful. Uh, thanks. That that, <laughs> that that helps our situation a lot. A lot. Uh, what do they say on a Friday there? Uh, Shabbat Shalom. Is that what they say? Is that what that's they, close to it? That's the way they do it in Spanish, I mm-hmm. guess. Uh, we will speak uh, wait, wait, next week. You're U.S. Israel. Or Israel. Sp- you're in Israel next week. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Live from Israel next week. I thank Malcolm Holmline live in Spain and wish him a Shabbat Shalom. Uh, he is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Next week from Israel, the following week is our fundraiser. If Malcolm's in the U.S., we'll ask him to come in two Fridays from now. We'll get his schedule and to figure it all out uh, here at JM in the AM. 20 minutes after 8 o'clock on a snowy Friday morning. Plenty of snow on this Friday with candle lighting at 510 on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kisisa. It's Purim Katan! Purim Katan Sameach to all of our amazing listeners. And this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Uden, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomrei Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Uden. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Parshas Kisisa. Parshas Kisisa contains nine mitzvos according to the Chinuch, four positive and five negative mitzvos. We begin the parsha with the mitzvah of Matzis HaShekel, the annual contribution that each individual was to make towards the communal sacrifices. Every morning, every afternoon, there was a Korban Tomit in the Beis Migdash. Every Shabbos, every Rosh Chodesh, every Yom Tov, there were communal Korbanos that were brought. These communal Korbanos were funded by and through the Matzis HaShekel, so everyone felt that they were literally participants, and the Baalim, the ones who were bringing the public communal offerings. You find in this week's parasha of Kisisa, ouch, the sin of the Egel Hazav, the golden calf. Every year the question comes, how could they do it? And more than that, I'd like to ask again the question of how could Moshe break something which was not his. We're told that Moshe comes down from the mountain, sees the Jewish people dancing around the golden calf. We're told in chapter 32, Pasuk 19, that he takes the uh, luchos, the tablets, and he breaks it under the mountain. Now, the question is, 
if Moshe realistically saw and thought that the Jewish people were not worthy at this time of and for the luchos, the tablets, how dare he break them? What he should have done at first glance was he should have returned them to sender. He should have returned them to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and saying, I don't think, etc. However, Moshe breaks them and you'll take a look at the last Rashi on the Torah. We see that God didn't simply tolerate, Hashem agreed with him and gives him a yashakoach. So, a very interesting discussion for your Shabbos table. I'm just going to suggest two quick answers, and that is, according to the Meshachachma, Moshe was afraid, lest they come to worship the Luchos. Now that he sees them worshipping the golden calf, and as the Torah tells us, that these Luchos, these tablets, are so special. They are Ksuvim Bi'etzpa Elokim, literally inscribed and etched with and by the finger of God Himself. So lest they worship the Luchos, Moshe therefore broke the Luchos. And the Beis HaLevi suggests that Moshe, with his incredible love for the Jewish people, wanted to mitigate the circumstances. And as the Torah tells us, that God gives the luchos to Moshe, when he finished speaking, teaching him on Mount Sinai. So the term that's used, Rashi picks up and says, like a chasan to a kala. The relationship between God and the Jewish people is that of a groom to a bride. And therefore, the luchos were the ring, the erisin, the betrothal of God to the Jewish people in order to mitigate the circumstances and to make of the Jewish people not yet a kala, Moshe breaks the luchos and therefore they were not yet as guilty because the relationship between God and the Jewish people had not been formally cemented. The interesting point that I'd like to focus on this morning is, however, what happens with the broken pieces. So we know from the fifth book of the Torah, where Moshe recounts to the generation about to go into Eretz Yisrael, various events and supplements, what we're not told earlier in the Torah, we're told later. So in the fifth book, chapter 10, Pasuk 1, we see there that Hashem tells Moshe, You are to make for yourself an ark of wood. And Rashi tells you that this ark is not the ark that we've been reading about in the last two weeks in Parshas Truma, that which was um, made by Betzalel and the Jewish people to house the uh, tablets that would be given to the Jewish people, specifically um, when Moshe comes down from the mountain for the third and last time on Yom Kippur. But rather, these, this ark was to house 
this tablet, the initial ones, the first ones, and so the broken pieces are put in this ark. Moreover, we are taught by the Sifri in Baaloscha that when the Jewish people went to battle, it was this ark that went in front of them. They were successful in overcoming the 31 kings in Eretz Yisrael because the ark with the shivrei luchos, with the broken pieces, went before them in battle. Now, the Talmud in Brachos 8b teaches in the name of Rabbi Yoshua ben Levi a very powerful lesson. Be careful with the honor and respect and dignity to be given to an elderly scholar, who unfortunately has forgotten his Torah learning, not any fault of his, call it dementia, call it Alzheimer, whatever has set in, but now he's not the same person. The question is, what kind of respect are we to give this individual? And Rabbi Shuab and Levi teaches we are, we are to give this individual the same kind of respect as we gave him before. Why? Because Luchos, the Shivrei Luchos, Munachos Pa'aron. Because not only were the second set of luchos that Moshe brings down on Yom Kippur placed in the ark that was made by B'Tzalel, but shivrei luchos as well, the broken pieces were placed in that ark as well. And so even though the Talmud tells us in Psachim that the letters literally flew off the Luchos, when Moshe broke them. Similarly, the individual who has forgotten and lost his Torah, the Torah has made such an impression upon his body, literally, not only upon his soul, that it's still considered a Kli Kodesh. It's still considered literally a holy object. And the holy object is one for which we would stand, and the holy object is one that we treat with great honor, dignity, and sanctity. Now, what emerges from this is such an important practical concept Namely, unfortunately, we live in a world today where things are measured, the criteria and the standard is what is practical. If a person has a quality of life, then, unfortunately, if they should be in a a life-threatening situation, well, we will exert our time, effort, resources to try to save that person because, after all, he is of use to society. But lo alenu, if a person is old and frail and does no longer have that quality of life, so there are, sad to say, in countries in Europe, the concept of literally the mercy killing is common 
it is within the law, meaning that the idea that we can literally put the person out of their misery is something that is looked upon as doing something kind. And we say just the opposite. We say that each and every individual has a great deal of dignity, of purpose, just by virtue of the fact that they have lived a life worth living. That person is a clay kodesh. And we would be Mechalo Shabbos for that person. And not only are we Mechalo Shabbos for that person in order that they be able to observe other Shabbosos, we are taught that even for Chaye Shoah, even for prolonging life for but a few moments. Namely, it should never happen, God forbid. A building collapses and somebody is clearly under the rubble and the doctors say there's no way that they'd be able to live for any extended period of time. But that person might still be alive. It's Shabbos. We run to the bulldozers and what would be considered normally Mechalel Shabbos to desecrate the Shabbos. Here, we suspend all the laws of Shabbos and try to get him out of the rubble, even to extend his life for just a few moments. The Jewish concept is not the criteria of quality of life, but life itself is quality. And this is such an important point. The Abarbanel and before the Abarbanel, Rashi, in his commentary on Shira Shirim, teaches us that the Ten Commandments are not only to be read literally downward, one through five and six through ten, but they can be understood with a relationship going across as well. And therefore, number one and number six are related. Number one is Anochi, I am your God, I am the creator. Number six is thou shalt not kill. Do you want to know why you can't kill? You can't kill because... Man is created in the image of God. There is God in each and every person. And each and every person is such an important world unto themselves. And therefore, they are precious. And therefore, life is to be maintained and sustained literally till the end. And therefore, I strongly recommend, as a practicing rabbi, I've seen this too many times where everybody means well, but when there are issues at the end of life and people are no longer in a position to make decisions for themselves, and all the children mean well, but sometimes they're coming from very different vantage points. Are they coming from Jewish law or are they coming from what they consider to be their own emotions? And after all, if you take a look in Bereshus chapter 9, where the Torah prohibits the act of murder. So the Torah says in chapter 9, verse 5, you'll take a look, umiyado adam, from man, miyad ish ochiv, even from a brother. When would you have a brother killing a brother? When a brother is, God forbid, very sick, and he says to his brother, please, if you love me, kill me. Now there's no question about it, that Jewish law 
is concerned about pain. And Jewish law will do anything and everything to reduce. And however, life is so sacred. And therefore, I strongly recommend that people fill out a halachic living will. And the aguda halachic living will is so concise and on the money. Namely, it identifies a family member and a rabbi, and therefore it removes the pressure and takes away the unfortunate, uh, well-meaning, but terrible disruptions of family that could emerge at a time of of end-of-life situations. I just want to conclude by saying today is Purim Katan, similar as to what we've been saying until now. It is, the Talmud says, which is the real Purim when I have a leap year? The first Adar, because we don't want to pass over the mitzvah. The second Adar, which gets the nod in terms of having Purim next to Pesach. And so the answer is, while we observe Purim as we know in the second Adar, the first Adar today, Purim Katan, is like the body which no longer has the mitzvos. In other words, today is the 14th of Adar, and we just don't have the mitzvah to read the Megillah. We don't have the mitzvah of Mishloach Manos. However, the Today is Purim, and therefore, number one, we don't eulogize. Number two, we don't fast. Number three, we didn't say Tachnun Lamatseach. Tomorrow, we don't say Tzidkascha. But more than that, the Ramah says that while certainly there might not be an obligation to have something special today, Mishta Vesimcha, Tov Lev, Mishta Tamid, one who is literally with a good heart recognizes God all around us will have that special something today to show that today is a significant day in Jewish history. Shabbat Shalom to all.
This court will please come to order. Mr. Rabinowitz, you are the foreman of the jury. Have you reached a verdict? Judge, Your Honor, we have been listening to the facts in this case for six weeks, and it has been a wonderful experience for us all. We, the jury, would like to thank you for the way you have conducted this case. Thank you, Mr. Rabinowitz. But the verdict, please. Certainly, Your Honor. We, the jury, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Fine, Mr. Landsberg, the lovely Mrs. Berkowitz. Thank you, Mr. Rabinowitz. You're welcome. Mr. Rabinowitz, the verdict. Coming, Your Honor. Mr. Goldberg, Mr. Katz, Mr. Stein, Mrs. Cantor, Mr. I'm not lovely. The lovely Mrs. Cantor. Lovely. Mr. Rabinowitz. Mr. Finkelstein, Mr. Bloom, and Mr. Pinkus the Furrier. Your Honor, the 12 of us have spent the past four days in the jury room debating this case. And we examined the evidence pro and con and backwards and forwards to decide in the American way, did he or didn't he do it? Mr. Rabinowitz, the verdict, and now. Immediately, Your Honor. We, the jury, after careful deliberation on this case, have decided we shouldn't make spin. <laughs> oh, yes. J.M. in the A.M. It is Purim Katan as we are celebrating in this first of Adar with plenty of snow and plenty of great comedy. Erev Shabbos, Parshas Kisisa with candle lighting at 510. couple of reminders from our community calendars. We get closer and closer to President's Day. Don't forget that Rabbi Hanoch Teller, who joined us earlier, starts his amazing tour with the Rebeli Melech documentary. Tomorrow night he'll be at the Young Israel of Bayswater on Healy Avenue in Far Rockaway. Sunday, 8 p.m. at Mesorah's Base Yaakov on Ocean Avenue, and then Monday on President's Day, Monday morning at Congregation Keter Torah on Romer Avenue in Teaneck. That starts at 10, and then Monday night at the Fairlawns Congregation Shomre Torah. Rabbi Yudin, of course, uh, his shul, open to the entire Fairlawn community starting at 7.30 p.m. Uh, information, hanochteller.com. Got all the info there. Also, I, I remind you on our community calendar, uh, Highland Park is... Um, is hosting a Shabbat with Cantor Shimmy Miller and the Mizamrim Choir. Uh, Congregation Ohav Emet on Raritan Avenue in Highland Park welcomes everybody to enjoy Cantor Shimmy Miller and the Mizamrim Choir in a beautiful Shabbos at the congregation. And then on Saturday night, tomorrow evening, you'll be able to enjoy them at 8.15 uh, for a phenomenal concert starring Shimmy Miller and the Mizamrim Choir. Information about all of this 732-247-3038. And if you go to the community calendar section of jmnam.org, you can get info there as well. want to remind everybody that Monday is a legal holiday. And there are a couple of legal holiday shiurim that are going on. The Bialystoker Synagogue is presenting Rabbi Shlomo Weissman on the topic of prohibited interest and the Hetter Iska, Jewish and secular law considerations. And a reminder for Brooklyn, New York, the Agudas Yisrael of Madison will host the Yarche Kala this Monday with Rabbi Reisman speaking about worried about Eretz Yisrael. 10 a.m. Rabbi Ari Marburger on important halachas relating to Genevis Das, Lifne Iver, and Hashavas Aveda. 11 a.m. Mishanichnas Adar from Adar to Purim, the track to success, Rabbi Ozer Alport. 
and uh, 12 noon, Rabbi Yosef Mizrahi's audiovisual show on scientific discoveries in Chazal. It's actually a PowerPoint presentation. You'll be able to see that on uh, on Monday uh, in Brooklyn, New York. So uh, check that out. The Agudas Yisrael of Madison. They have a great Yarche Kala on legal holidays as well. JM in the AM. Monday will be here. We'll be here Monday. Make sure to be tuned in. Even on President's Day, we will be here at JM in the AM. Be careful out there driving and walking. In this area, the uh, conditions are not easy. Be extra careful with all of this uh, snow and rain and combination of slush and everything else that's on the ground. It's uh, a little difficult. Uh, the snow comes back tomorrow with one to three inches in this area. Temperature will drop to about 15 degrees tomorrow night. I believe about a week from now we'll finally see some temperatures that all of us can agree are much, much better than what we've been having over all these weeks. We'll see, in fact, if that comes true. By the way, the Yeshiva University uh, Yeshiva Svarim sale, uh, which is uh, so amazing, it goes on until the 23rd of February. They had to uh, actually uh, uh, knock out their schedule last night. They did not open last evening. They will be open tomorrow night, Saturday night, up at YU, the Safarim Sale. And you can go to the thesafarimsale.com. The Safarim Sale will be open. You'll be able to see North America's largest uh, opportunity to uh, purchase Hebrew and Jewish books. That is going to be open tomorrow night. All The whole schedule, if you just search online for the Safarim Sale, you'll see the schedule between now and the 23rd of February. Friday morning, Purim Katan. This is JM in the AM.
close relative. No, I never met him. I, why did you die? Why did you uh, die? I beg your pardon, sir. You say you never met him and you carry on like this. Then tell me, who is buried here? My wife's first husband. <laughs> I, why did you die? <laughs> Purim Katlan at JM and the AM as we are celebrating. Don't forget it's President's Day weekend, but we're here Monday starting at 6 a.m. Make sure to join us on a JM and AM Monday. And then, of course, as the week turns into a hopefully normal week, who knows what kind of snow we'll have <laughs> starting on uh, Tuesday morning. JM and the AM with a reminder that we have amazing programming all day on our stream at jmtheam.org. Table for Two is coming up next with Naomi Nachman, the amazing Aussie chef. We'll interview the folks at Mason and Mug, the new trendy restaurant in Prospect Heights. It's a small plates beer and wine bar, according to Naomi. Plus, in the studio, blogger Sarah Kinkowitz of uh, foodwordphotos.com. She's a chocolatier, 
They'll be uh, sampling some of her stuff. It's coming up between 9 and 10 Eastern Time, right after JM and the AM. Plus, right after that, an amazing and incredible Erev Shabbos music mix. A big thank you to our friends at Kedem. The music mix goes all the way until candle lighting time. There is no better way to prepare for Shabbos than with our stream and the incredible Jewish music Friday Erev Shabbos music mix from 10 a.m. Eastern Time all the way until candle lighting. Make sure you're tuned in at JM and the AM. Dot org. Let's uh, close out this segment with Udi Davidi at JM in the AM. With uh, Udi Davidi and company here on a Friday morning Erev Shabbos. It's Purim Katan. I just checked with Mark Zamek. He says, yes, Bezrat Hashem, there will be Purim Katan selections on our stream today during our Erev Shabbos music mix all day long. So make sure to celebrate with us. Keep it there all day at jmandtheam.org. Time to take a Shabbos. It's Journeys at JM and the AM. Through the trees, another. 
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 FM. Round the world on the web at jmtheam.org. And that closes out another great week for us here at JMTheam. Naomi Nachman next with Table for Two. Check it out on our stream at jmtheam.org followed by incredible Erev Shabbos and Purim Katan music all day on the stream between now and candlelighting time. Monday, we're back starting at 6 a.m. Don't forget, tomorrow night, Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami begins at 10. On Sunday, President's Day weekend Sunday, Matis hosts JM Sunday beginning at 7 o'clock in the morning Eastern time. Join him for an amazing show each and every Sunday morning. Have a fabulous Shabbos, great weekend. Happy Purim Katan. Till Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.